0: we know that i love rosh review um, by blueprint and they have so many great resources so whether you're looking for cubanks pants review courses now is the time and usually there's some special stuff so go check it out if you need a pa student role model cooper couch is your guy and you're going to get to meet him today in our interview and i'm so excited about it Welcome to the PrePA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me in today's podcast. This is I guess our second of the new year, but I think this year is already off to a really great start and I don't think I'll ever run out of people to interview because there are so many PAs and PA students in the world, but so far I have some really cool experiences that are coming up. Today's interview is no different, and I'm Savannah, by the way. I am a dermatology PA, and I'm the creator of thepaplatform.com, which is a website that helps people become PAs and learn more about the profession. One thing that is new for January is we've always had some personal statement brainstorming worksheets on the website, which are still there, but we have a new personal statement checklist, as well as a personal statement that goes along with it challenge. So if you sign up for the checklist, you're gonna get some emails and we're gonna be posting on social media as well about the personal statement challenge, which is technically gonna start next week, but will help you to actually get a start on your personal statement, to actually write it, some words on paper because I know the hardest part is getting started. So if you go to the paplatform.com slash personal statement, you'll be able to download that checklist so that you're kind of ready to go. And if you want to start working on yourself, that's great. Or if you want to use that for something you've already worked on, or you can kind of wait for those emails to come and for us to post on social media so that we can all together get started on a personal statement. Even though i'm not really writing one but mine is on the website if you want to read it so i'm really excited about that i think it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully helpful to getting you actually started and maybe even have a complete finished product by the end of january sound good all right all right before we get to our interview we are welcoming a new sponsor on the podcast this month and i want to introduce you to stride funding everyone always asks about how to pay for PA school, and this is a very interesting, innovative alternative to traditional student loans. Instead of being faced with ridiculous interest rates and paying for 10, 20, 30 years, Stride Funding offers income share agreements, which means you would pay a small percent of income after you graduate, over a shorter time frame than a traditional student loan. So usually you're looking at about a five-year plan at around four to 10% of your income. No interest, no principal amount, and a grace period that will start before, well, after graduation, but before payments begin. And then there's also flexibility around some unexpected life events. So this is interesting and something I never knew about, but I think definitely worth looking into if you are trying to figure out how you're going to pay for PA school, if you're looking into graduating, not sure what you want to do, Um, but you can go to stridefunding.com to learn more and we will have a link in the description as well that will get you straight there so that you can check it out, see if it's something that's going to work for you and maybe save you some money in the long run. That's always the hope because we know that PA school is expensive, but you shouldn't graduate and feel like you're throwing all of your money at your loans and paying off interest that never really touches your principal amount. So stride funding is a great option and I hope you'll look into it. Now let's jump into talking to Cooper, and I said in the beginning, like he is, I don't know how he does it all, and he is amazing, and I was very lucky to get the chance to sit down and talk with him. Y'all, we actually talked for like three hours, but we didn't record all that, not going to share all that, Um, but he has some great thoughts about the PA profession and just the passion that pretty much every PA should have for what they do, and I think that's really awesome. So... Meet Cooper, go follow him on Instagram at Cooper T Couch, and just tell him how awesome he is. All right, let's hear from him.
1: Awesome. So thanks so much for having me, Savannah. I'm excited to share a little bit about myself. My name is Cooper Couch, and I'm a current PA student studying in Los Angeles, and I'm in a three-year program, and I only have six more months until I graduate, so very excited about that. Um as far as why I chose to become a PA um I actually wrote an article for AAPA about it so if you want the super concise version it's in the article <laughs> um but of course I'll share here too um it's it's a pretty personal story um so I'll get deep pretty quick but um I grew up with illness in my family, so my mom had cholangiocarcinoma, which is bile duct cancer. Um, they found it in stage four, so it was only a few months before she passed away. And I remember going to all of her appointments, and you know, seeing her body deteriorate and all that kind of stuff, and I just felt so helpless. Um, And that's, I think, when I first initially started to consider medicine. I was in sixth grade, so I was 13 years old. Um, Actually, I was 12 at the time. And I just remember going to my elementary school library, getting the encyclopedia so that I could read up about the liver and the gallbladder and all this stuff, just so I could understand a little bit more. Um, I had no idea what the doctors were saying. I was always confused. I had no idea what was going on. and so it was kind of like, I don't know, you had to decode what the doctors were saying and that really, um, it, it wasn't fun being a, a caregiver, I guess. Um, uh, and then my dad had an aortic um, abdominal aortic aneurysm that dissected and he survived it actually. Um, he was in ICU for six months and then um, he got put in a nursing home for a little bit and I was 16 at that time. And then I ended up, um, I guess his Medicare wouldn't cover his nursing home or something like that. Or they said that, um, that it wouldn't cover his insurance, wouldn't cover him being at the nursing home. So they, and they said he was like too well to be there. So they kicked him out and I had to move back in with my dad by myself when I was 17 and reteach him how to eat with, like, the heavy forks and everything and, like, how to walk. And he was legally blind and uh, had to be on dialysis. So I also, as a high school student, trying to get into college and work so that we could make ends meet and take care of him and everything, I had to drive him to dialysis every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, it was just—it was a lot. And I guess I saw some of the really negative aspects of healthcare. Um, being a caregiver and seeing kind of um, my my parents going through all that, and also just knowing what it feels like to not be in the know, even when you're the one taking care of your parent, because um, I guess a 16 year old or 17 year old just won't understand. So um, I guess I, I that was a lot of the reason why I decided I wanted to go into medicine because I wanted to make a difference, and my way of making a difference would be to give somebody else a better experience than what I had. I'm not saying I'd be a better healthcare provider than all the providers that took care of my parents. A lot of them were amazing. Um, I just felt like that was where I wanted to go. So um, yeah, that's, that's why I chose PA. I definitely considered medical school. Um, I went to Middlebury College in Vermont for undergrad, and I was a Spanish major, and I studied French and German as well. Um, and I was also pre-med, so I did all my pre-med classes the first two and a half years, and then I went abroad for a year, and then came back for one semester and finished up. Um, and I was sure that I wanted to go to med school up until, like, the middle of sophomore year. Um, we had that summer, and I needed a job, and I ended up applying to a camp for kids with serious illnesses called the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp in Connecticut and I was a cabin counselor all summer and every week they have a different diagnosis that they serve or a group of diagnoses that they serve and they have the specialist from you know Boston's Children's Hospital or the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia or New York um, the specialists who see the kids in the hospital will come and volunteer their time per week so I got to meet a different doctor every week and I asked each one of them hey, I'm having a really hard time deciding between med school and PA school and maybe even an accelerated NP program, like, what would you suggest? And every single one of them, except for one, told me to go to PA school. And if they could go back and do it again, they'd do PA school. And just the fact that I connected so well with that camp and the people there, that was really impactful for me to, to know that every single one of those doctors would say, you know, what, I think PA school would be the best option for you. Or, you know, I wish I could have been a PA. Um so yeah so I guess that's it after that I decided yeah, TA is where I want to go and it's what I did
0: oh man I've I've <laughs> seen a little bit I know on Instagram you'll kind of like share about your story a little bit but I feel like I've only gotten little pieces of it so it's nice <laughs> to hear it all in one concise way but that's tough I mean, that's
1: yeah there's yeah. there's so much to it and um, I, it feels like a different life to be honest, because, <laughs> um, my mom passed away in September of 2004 and my dad passed away a couple days after my birthday in 2015. Um, and so, and I, I've been through a lot of therapy. I went to therapy every week from like when I started college until, um, 2016, I think. And after my dad died, I did, um, EMDR therapy, which is like, a um, it's a, it's some people believe in it, some people don't, but it's actually recognized as a therapy by the WHO for PTSD. Um, so that's what I did for nine months and it really helped a lot. Um, as far as like, um, I guess diminishing the response of an emotional trigger (laughs) so I can really handle things a lot better now. Um, And I don't know, life has been pretty good. Um, I don't have the stress of having six parents all the time. And, you know, yeah, it sucks to miss them at my white coat, my wedding, and, you know, on Mother's Day and Father's Day and all the days. (laughs) But um, sometimes I'm totally fine and sometimes it's really hard, but it's just something I'll live with for the rest of my life. And I think it's made me a more caring person in general because, you know, when you have to tell a patient that they have cancer, you're thinking in your mind, oh man, that's what that doctor felt like when he was telling my mom, (laughs) Um, so it's just,
0: it definitely um, helps you relate more, and I think also just, I I mean, I appreciate you being open with it, and and honest with everything, and like, I like following you on Instagram, and kind of getting a a little snapshot into your life, and learning from experiences that I haven't had yet, whether good or bad. So we talked a little bit before we got into this about, which I never knew, your experience with applying to PA school and something that everyone hopes doesn't happen. Can you tell us about it?
1: (laughs) So I had originally felt like I was going to go to med school and I was like totally sure and then I backed out, right? Um, And even when I was applying to PA school before I applied, the year before I applied, I was like okay, I'm going to try med school. And then if I don't get in, I'll do PA school, which is so silly because we all know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that, um, PA school is actually more competitive than med school because of the number of people applying for the number of seats. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily GPA and things like that are as, um, competitive, but it's like a whole package. You have to have a lot (laughs) to get into PA school. Um, So I guess I decided to apply and my pre-health advisor was brand new. Um, She's a doctor and she, um, or sorry, physician. I've been trained to say physician instead of doctor. Um, And she didn't know anything about PA school. So I had set up an appointment with her, and she went over the weekend and looked at one of the toughest PA schools to get into, which she decided was Northeastern University, just based on their prereqs. And she um, went through and said, all right, this is what you need, this is what you need, this is what you need. You don't have a lot of this. And it's like a whole pie. Like, you have all this stuff, but this academic piece is really what you need. And you could probably use some more healthcare hours. But like, as far as passion and service and leadership and all that kind of stuff, she's like, you got it. Um, So I thought that I'd be okay applying and I was like, all right, well, um, and I'm super transparent. Um, I had a three, four, seven GPA when I graduated undergrad and I took a couple classes that were prereqs. I had to, so my undergrad didn't offer anatomy and physiology and microbiology wasn't offered this semester that I could take it because, um, the professor was on leave for, or on sabbatical, um. So, which was good, because she was a really tough professor. <laughs> Anybody who took Grace Badafore's class is amazing if they <laughs> pass. Um, also, if you didn't pass, you're, you know, good for you. Um, you made it through, regardless. But anyway, um, I took microbiome, anatomy, physiology at a community college in Vermont. Um, and I think I boosted my GPA by like point zero two points or something. Um, but my science GPA was like a 3.11. This second time i applied so foreshadowing (laughs) um the first time i applied caspa calculated it as a 327 which was great um because they they incorporated my body and earth class that was an environmental science dance class that was like an eza course
0: um (laughs) Um,
1: and i loved the course i mean it was a great course but really helped with the science gpa Um, and i I was like, all right, this is probably okay, right? Um, So I apply, and I had been a phlebotomist. I had worked at this camp for kids with serious illnesses, um, the Honewagon camp, um, and I didn't realize those hours counted, so I just put it as like, I don't, I don't remember what it was back then, but it's different. The CASP was different than it was when I applied. I applied in 2015 and 2016. 2015, it was different. It wasn't like healthcare experience and patient care experience. I don't think it was something else. But I didn't put it in my healthcare experience. Um, and it was like two or 3,000 hours or something. um the every time I worked at these camps. So it was mostly phlebotomy. But then I also worked as a bilingual assistant at a free clinic um, in middle grade Vermont. And so I had those hours cause I was training interpreters. I was medical interpreting. I was doing case management and social work. So really got to see a lot of healthcare, but not really any direct patient care experience other than like our flu vaccine clinic. Um, I got certified to be able to do that. Um, anyway, applied to PA school. I applied to six programs. I applied two days after my dad passed away because I didn't want to work on the application. He was in hospice. And I was like, oh, and then when he passed away, I was like, okay, I just need to get this done. I'm going to send it in. I don't care if my personal statement's not hundred percent. Like, and I didn't have anybody helping me, but my pre-health advisor. And she had told me that I needed to go back and take seven science courses and get an A in all of them to boost my science GPA. And I was like, you know, we got time for that. <laughs> I don't have money for that. I don't like, like to do that. Do mean, <laughs> like, like trying to work three jobs here at the time. Um, and then I got rejected from four schools. I got waitlisted at one school that was in the top 10. And then I got accepted to a PA program in Vermont um, that was a brand new PA program. It was going to be Vermont's first PA program. Um, and they ended up in april calling me to tell me that they did not get accreditation and i was supposed to start in june so that was like whoa. and i was still on the wait list at the other schools so i was just kind of like okay come on but i knew that i probably wasn't going to get off and so um anyway it totally threw a wrench in all my plans um and that being said they were very tough on me in the interviews Like. The guy asked me, he said, so I noticed in your personal statement, you said your mom passed away, but she died, didn't she? So why did you choose the term passed away? And I was like, uh-uh. ooh, he doesn't know that my dad just passed away like four or five months ago. And this is a huge emotional trigger for me, but I know what he's doing. Like, this is all going in my head, right? And I was like, had to like respond, like really hold it in because I knew he was trying to get me to like... Oh, it was the worst. And then they also had me come back for a group interview. And I thought it was a group with other people, like other applicants. It was me with five of the people who were gonna be running the program. And I was just like, you didn't tell me this. (laughs) This was not, no, (laughs) it was very intimidating. And they still somehow let me in. They only took like 25 students, but then of course they didn't get accredited. So I got my money back and I dodged a bullet with that one. So I applied the second time and I actually ended up putting my, my healthcare experience with, um, uh, with the whole new walking camp as like hands-on patient care, because I was like making sure kids were doing all their activities of daily living and like making sure that when they, I had to be looking for signs that were diagnosis specific to determine if I needed to take them to the infirmary, um, to see a nurse, or if I needed to call the medical professional and call or whatever it was. So, um, It was a lot of of really just being a caregiver for a bunch of kids (laughs) um, that had very serious and chronic illnesses. So um, I counted that, and a lot of programs actually ended up taking that, and I think that helped. I didn't take any other courses, so I didn't boost my GPA. Um, I just reapplied, and um, I got multiple interviews, but I could only afford to go to two of them. So I went to both. I got accepted at both. Um, and the one I'm at now was a better fit for me. Um, so, and it's funny because I still have friends, um, actually, so Loray, the PA was in the class that I would have been in at Wake Forest. And so now I'm kind of kicking myself because I'm in a three-year program and they're a two-year program and all of them have graduated. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's funny because I still keep in touch with the people that, we're in that class well, that I interviewed with at least. So, well, also, um, I
0: always say it's, like, such a small world, like, the whole PA world and community. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, even though we're all spread out or whatever, like, it is a small world. And, I mean, that's what even, like, I remember people from my interview who ended up in classes after me or other places, and you just run into each other. Like, it's it's cool. It's really fun.
1: Yeah. You just keep working at it, and you keep um, – you you just stay true to yourself throughout the whole process. So like, if you don't get accepted, ask yourself, is this really what you want to do? Be honest with yourself. Do I need to take the GRE until I get this score? Do I need to take these science courses and save up and maybe not apply next to you? You have to be real with yourself. And then once you do get the acceptance or multiple acceptances, you have to be like, all right, which program do I want to go to? Can I afford it? Is that going to be a city that I'd like to live in? Am I going to have like, balance is so for me um just speaking to my decision a little bit was I really wanted a three-year program I actually have a learning disability I don't think I ever really share that on social media but <laughs> I have a really slow reading rate it's like in the sixth percentile so um my program's getting on to us right now for not reading the textbooks and I'm like <laughs> sorry <guys. laughs> Um, but yeah, so I felt like a three-year program would be better for me. Um, in college, I had double time on tests from like junior and senior year. Um, I haven't used it in PA school because it's just different. You memorize it and you know it or you don't. There's not a whole lot of application critical thinking. Um, and so I felt like a three-year program would be better for me and my learning style, even though the program I chose was way more expensive, um, than most other programs, um, I also was kind of banking on the NHSC scholarship, even though it's super competitive. I was like, oh, I'm a perfect applicant. And then I applied twice, didn't get it. And I was like, "Oof," but actually dodged a bullet because I've heard it's a lot harder to get a job right out of school with the NHSC scholar program than to not do the scholar program and then go to a place where loan or payment is an option. And yes, it takes longer to pay off the loans. Yes, you don't get a full ride, but... Hey, (laughs) if you don't pay, loan repayment is always an option. Yeah,
0: exactly. You'll pay about back your loans. Don't worry about that.
1: Yeah. So I just felt super, super comfortable at my program. Um, I remember, um, I guess, just coming from a background where family is um, something I've prayed for (laughs) because I haven't really had much of my family. I'm also gay, and all of my family is Southern Baptist. Um, So for a long time that was a huge issue for everyone in my family and thankfully now i'm getting engaged and everybody wants to come to the wedding so it's like actually this christmas was the first time i got to spend it with my all my brothers um, in a really long time and they're all like and i brought marty my fiance, and they all loved him and it's, it's a really exciting time, because if I told my 18-year-old self that this would happen, he would not believe me. <laughs> so at the program I'm at now, I, I loved it. Um, I felt really comfortable. I felt like there really was this sense of family that people were there to help you out. Um, and I think that it's worth every penny that I'm paying for. it. So um, I wouldn't change. I don't I have no regrets.
0: How many people are in your class?
1: Um, 60.
0: Okay. it's it, a little
1: bit they accept 60, so we don't have 60 now. But.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting that you shared just because, I mean, people talk a lot about accreditation and what happens. And it most of the time works out. So they hadn't even received their provisional yet when you applied, or were they provisional?
1: They hadn't had provisional okay. yet. So they were going to start their very first cohort in June okay see I think once the
0: school has provisional you're a little safer once they like actually have that but if mm -hmm. they don't even have that yet is when you're in a little bit of that gray area of wishing and hoping and praying and
1: And you always want to make sure that the program that you're going to if it is provisional that you don't get the vibe that it's kind of like a cash cow yeah for the other college because I've noticed some people's comments about the program just being like oh my gosh and then other programs um i'm gonna to the colorado horn here (laughs) the colorado Meta pa program is fantastic um and it's a new program provisionally accredited so just gonna throw a plug for them if um, man (laughs) doesn't have a lot of programs after i applied and i'm like (laughs) i love my program but man yeah no
0: colorado is one area that doesn't have well, until more recently, doesn't have a ton of programs in Georgia too. We didn't have a lot, and we're getting a few more now. So, um, I mean, there's more programs popping up all over the place, uh, which yeah. good thing, bad thing, I don't know. But,
1: uh, but is that, that my program was under accreditation; they were getting reviewed for accreditation for continuing accreditation yeah. the year that I started, and we also had a professor leave like a month before our class started so they kind of had to like shift some things around and also there's a lot of stress because accreditation was upon us the following year, and like it was it was kind of stressful for me because of having gone through the other accreditation thing I was like what if we didn't get accredited <laughs> I knew when it happened but, you know. but
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that that is not something that happens that often but it does um all right so you are successfully a PA student um And so we wanted to talk a little bit just about PA school and what you have found works for you, what's helpful for you as far as surviving and studying and any resources or all that. So what would you say has been the most difficult part of PA school?
1: So I thought long and hard about this one. And my answer is finding balance. Um, I think, you know, between studying, leadership, exercise, eating healthy, meal prep, a long distance relationship, um, it's been really hard to find like a balance and and PA school is always changing. So, you know, your schedule is different every week, two weeks, you know, you have to be ready to change things on the dime. And, you know, we don't get like I start school back in 10 days and I still don't have my calendar for the semester. And I'm like, so <laughs> how can I plan around my exams and all this stuff? So it's kind of like, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge planner. And I think that that aspect of not having control of being able to plan has been the most difficult part for me, just because I'm the kind of person that when I get my syllabi, like I put everything in my calendar and I like basically do my whole, um, like semester or my whole year based on what exams I have and when I need to study so that I can do the other things that I like to do and the things that I'm passionate about. So, um, it's all about finding the time for, for balance in PA school. And I think that's been the most difficult part because there's so many things that I want to (laughs) do because for me, it's not just like PA school. That's the only thing I'm doing is studying, studying, studying. And I know that there's some students like that and, power to you we're paying a lot of money to do this and it is our future career totally get that but I have always been somebody who has to be doing the extracurricular stuff like in college oh my gosh if you saw the list of things I did in college it's like why did you do that like that doesn't even have anything to do with medicine and I'm like I know it was fun (laughs) and I love volunteering too so I had to like I don't know it's just Oh, makes me feel good i guess <laughs> good in the world too so what do they say no good deed goes unpunished
0: no it's okay uh, i'm a i'm a doer too and everyone says like how do you do everything you do and my answer is like i honestly don't know it's just ingrained in me that i do so it's fine
1: yeah and it's funny because you know the hardest thing for me is finding balance but yet i am doing all these different things and i'm doing them well right. um my grades have suffered a couple times because I've been super involved. Um, but if I make one bad grade, the next one is better than the class average. You know, I, yeah. and what I do is that kind of like, uh, okay, hey, hey, step back, like reassess your priorities and everything. And of course, my program is very, very... Uh, good at reminding me <laughs> Of course. Um,
0: I don't think we've completely like laid it out like what all do you do and what are you involved in what are your you have titles what are your titles
1: <laughs> let's start from the beginning of PA school okay um got to school and we had the class elections and I ran for class president and I was elected class president so all of those duties which are a lot more than um I bet most of my classmates realize <laughs> there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes between me and the faculty and staff um, that nobody will ever really understand unless they're in the position. Um, so shout out to every class president out there. You're doing an awesome job. Keep it up. <laughs> Even if nobody understands, hey, I'm here. <laughs> um, so that was one thing. Um, we The class president also usually is in charge of making sure the DC trip is a thing. So in my program, we do a trip to DC every year and they've actually opened it up to multiple programs now. It's with PAEA and you do learn how to advocate for your profession and specifically PA education. Um, And they do like a training and then you go and you actually get to meet with representatives or their staff members and um, get to talk about the bills that that are on PAEA's advocacy agenda. And so planning that and everything was a big thing. Then um, going to that. And in like November, December, I applied for the LBGTPA Caucus Student Leader Fellowship, which the application is open now until January 15th. Um, I was selected to be a Student Leader Fellow for them for the 2018 19 cycle. So that And that's meant through AAPA?
0: Can... Sorry? That's through AAPA, correct?
1: They are a caucus with AAPA. Okay. Mm-hmm. The American Academy PAs, yes. Um, So the American Academy PAs has multiple constituent organizations, which include the LBGTPA caucus, all the state chapters, um, you know, PAs for Latino health, the African Heritage Caucus. Um, So there's a lot of different ways to get involved as a student. And I literally Googled... Um, scholarship for gay PA students (laughs) and I didn't really find anything and I kept you know changing my search and like trying to find something because I didn't get the NHSC and I was like oh gosh (laughs) how am I going to this. And I ended up finding this one and it was a thousand dollar honorarium to be able to do the full fellowship, which is a year long fellowship. So it wasn't really a scholarship. It actually was to get me to conference at AAPA. So it offset the cost of the flight and the hotel or Airbnb, whatever. Um, And it was in New Orleans that year. So I had a great time. I learned a lot. Um, They do a fantastic job of connecting you with mentors, um, making sure that you are being educated on what is happening with the PA profession so that you can have an informed opinion um, they have like an hod task force hod is the house of delegates so that's where we decide the profession um the prof- professions members or their delegates i guess that represent the membership um decide what the collective vision philosophies and values of the pa profession are so every year, that's a big meeting in may that happens at conference um and um, we did, we went through like every single resolution and talked about it on a conference call. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like even the student delegates don't always get through all of that. Um, well, maybe they do. I haven't been a student delegate, so I <laughs> can't <laughs> we'll speak to that. I actually probably, they probably do. Um, talk to Casey Hardsock, She's a chief delegate. She'll know. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that was awesome. Did that. Um, and then when I was at the DC trip, which is in March around spring break, uh, Caitlin Harrison, who is the staff advisor for the Student Academy of the American Academy PA's, um, she came up to me and she's like, "Hey, you're your class president," and I was like, "Yes, hi, who are you?" <laughs> and she's like, oh, "I'm Caitlin," and she introduced herself and she's like, um, "She asked me if I'd be interested in running for a student board position at the student for the Student Academy of AAPA." And I said, sure. And she's like, do you know anybody else that might be interested? And so I pointed her to a few people in my class. Um, And so she went and she like had printed out the guidelines. I was like, all right, great. (laughs) So you guys should all run. And we're like, awesome. And she was, you know, obviously that's her job to promote it. So it wasn't like special people or whatever she just you know figured oh you probably would be interested here so I was like oh do I have time for that I don't know and then while I was on the DC trip is when I found out that I was gonna be a conference because I got selected to be a student leader fellow so I was like oh maybe I will and I thought about it and thought about it and I talked to the current president and the president-elect um, Trey Beesler and, and Stephen Lee and um, I felt like it would be a great fit for me um, and I ran for president-elect of the Student Academy of PA at conference in Maine, New Orleans. And I was elected by um, the Student Academy representatives from uh, the PA programs that were represented there. Um, so yeah, that was a whirlwind of a conference. There's a lot going on because then I had my presidential duties and on my student leader fellow duties and I was like <laughs> going back and forth between them all. Um, but it's been a really, really great experience. Um, then if that wasn't enough, uh, we have the summer off. So I did a fellowship in Boston with a program called the Primary Care Leadership Program with national medical fellowships. Um, it's That group started as uh, scholarships for black American students um, to be able to go to med school um, back in the day. And now they've expanded to also offer other scholarships, other programs, Uh, fellowships. And so this is the the only program that actually um, has a broader definition of what it means to be diverse or a diverse applicant. Um, So they accept people from underrepresented minorities, as well as people from low socioeconomic status. Um, And so I applied and was super surprised I got (laughs) accepted. Um, They also, it's for MDs, DOs, and PAs and MPs. And the year I was there, out of the 80 scholars in, I think it was five cities that they have the fellowship over the summer, um, there were six PA students. um, And one of them happened to be another LBGT PA caucus student leader fellow with me, so that was pretty cool. Um, And we were in the same city, we were in Boston, so that was super fun to be like the PA students that were like, amongst all the MDs and DOs, being like, we, we should be here. Like, (laughs) this is good. Um, So that was cool. Um, I did that. And then in the fall of my second year, I helped plan the SoCal LGBTQIA health conference. I was the first PA to be on their board. Usually it's med students from all the med schools in Southern California. And I'd learned about it. I went to the conference. I asked them if I could be on the planning committee and they're like yes so i did the conference website and all their social media stuff while i was in my third semester of didactic which there's <laughs> a lot so um i will say as far as like time management um asana is a really great web app um oh, I it's thought like you were about to see yes, you go to asana okay never mind have you heard of it
0: i have i've never used it
1: Okay. So that was like my go-to. It was actually one of my good friends. He used it for um, undergrad and got me hooked on it then. And then I used it for all my jobs and I used it for PA school applications and everything. So it was kind of a natural transition going to PA school um, to use that because you can like label projects so i have my student academy one my um LBGTPA caucus one my socal one and each one has different tasks in it and then i can like comment with like if i had an email conversation so i don't have to go back and look for that email i can like copy and paste or if i have a meeting with somebody i can like after the meeting go type my like quick notes so that i can remember for whatever but um yeah so yeah, I've done a lot.
0: <laughs> so you're very um, good at, at getting involved <laughs> in things, um, which is awesome. I, I like, a lot of the things you're mentioning, like, I've never even heard of, but they sound really cool, so yeah. that's awesome. Um, so I'm assuming, well, you tell me, like, is your school like do they know about all this? Are they super supportive? Oh, yeah, so that's absolutely. what because like...
1: they write me the letters of rec. Okay. Um so well I guess like so for the LBGTPA caucus fellowship, um it's actually the first time a recommender has actually um uh sent me the letter of recommendation to turn in and man, <laughs> I wish I could read all my letters of recommendation. I was like tearing up like, <laughs> with uh, a faculty member who's also out um, and out part of the l lbGt community and she um, she was super kind to me and helped me through a lot of challenges when I was uh, going through some rough patches as class president. Um, it was like my first week and that's another story <laughs> um but yeah um so she knew about it she totally supported me and that was the first thing and then the president-elect thing um was my program director had to like sign off on it um and then the fellowship over the summer i had three people write letters of recommendation from my program boards and we had the summer off so that one wasn't like extra really it was like okay wow, you're doing something over the summer? Right. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> well, most sure people they're very through. proud of you. I mean, you're a great representation of, honestly, what we should all be doing um, more of, which is just advocating for our profession. So
1: In our community. I mean, I didn't ever advocate for the LGBTQIA community until I was um, accepted for, or selected for that. Uh, leader fellowship with LBGT PA caucus. Um, I just think it's really important, especially if you're from an underrepresented background or a minority group of any kind, um, it's important to, to see if you have the emotional space um, and time to be able to advocate for your community and do what you can when you can. And I just happen to be in a place where I can be a fierce advocate for, for that community as well as the PA professionals.
0: Okay, so what would your advice be as far as practical steps? So someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to help. I want to advocate for whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think the hardest thing that people, the biggest roadblock is, okay, what do I actually do? Like, how do I do that? Who do I talk to? How do I get involved? Do I just go run for yeah. president? Like, what steps? Would um, if it's you
1: at the student academy, do not just go run for that. <laughs> I can go into a long detailed list of all the duties and responsibilities you have in that role. It's a two year role. Definitely, definitely <laughs> ask me what it's all about you can consider running for that position. Because um, it does take a lot of time and, and energy and you have to really have a passion for it. Um, and I'm super excited about Katie Ganser being the next president. Um, she's at the... Uh, child health associate program at uh, university of colorado and cool. she's
0: awesome. um mm-hmm.
1: all, all our board is awesome but anyway um if you want to get involved i actually have a google doc that i share with people it's actually on my instagram and my little link tree thing um that's student leadership opportunities and so i'm constantly trying to update it i honestly haven't updated it in probably like six months but i was doing a very good job of updating it yeah and, um like with deadlines and links to the different places you can go. So um, there's this PAEA um, fellowships, the the future educator fellowship and the health policy fellowship that are a really awesome experience. Um, they're very similar to the trip um, that is in uh, over spring break. Um, it's just, I guess the difference would be you also have to do a project. Um, I wasn't a student leader fellow, so I'm not sure, um, or a, sorry, a, a PAEA. Hello. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, that's one option. Um, getting involved with your state society, I think is the most important thing, because if you think about it, whether you're in the school, uh, whether your school is in the state where you're going to practice, or if you're going to be practicing in a different state, or even if you don't know, just pick one to be involved in. Um, I started out being involved with the California Academy PAs and I advised them a bit on some diversity issues, just increasing the number of um, LGBTQ plus, uh, CME at their conference. And that was um, super great. And then talking about pronouns and why it's important to use them and, and gender data and things like that. So kind of you know, got my feet wet with that. And then I started getting more involved with the Colorado Academy of PAs once I started rotations, um, because I, I set up two of my rotations out here in Colorado. Um, I live in Colorado when I'm not in school in California. So that's where I'm hoping to get a job. Um, so it's really important to be involved with a state chapter because the state where you practice your state chapter is the one that's advocating for your scope of practice, your autonomy, um, what you can and can't prescribe, all things like that. Because there are some federal laws, but a lot of PA scope of practice is determined at the state level. And that's why I think it's so important for people to get involved in the states because when I think about it, you know, there's a ton of opportunities for national leadership with the AAPA and the Student Academy, and that's great. And obviously I'm a huge supporter of that. But what I would love to see is for every PA student to somehow get involved in their state chapter, and then once they start practicing there, continue staying involved. Because that is what is going to make or break our profession in the next 10 years. Um, We are growing so quickly, and there are so many decisions being made on a national and state level, and it's really, really, really important that students get involved, because we are the future of the profession, obviously, um, and it's... I think that the states who invest in their students and have a lot of opportunities for them to get involved are the states that are going to have the brightest future. So that's that's where I I put my, um, when when people ask me how to get involved, I tell them to start with their state. Um, If there's not a whole lot you can do at your state level, which uh, I'll be honest, uh, there's a handful of states that I think do an awesome job um, and I'm not really aware of anything with other states so that's one of my goals during my term as president of the student academy right now is to identify that we actually um when is this being public uh
0: in the next couple weeks
1: okay well there may or may not be an event at the leadership and advocacy summit um related to um getting involved in state organizations so if you're coming to the leadership and advocacy summit definitely look out for that Um, But, yeah, and then the other things, um, I'll give you the link to that Google Doc, and you can share it with people in the little description.
0: Yeah, I definitely can. That's super, super helpful. Well, what's next for uh, Cooper Couch?
1: (laughs) So I graduate, so I actually had a a car accident in, um, well, actually, I need to plug in my computer. It's going to
0: die. Okay. Sorry, we talked too long.
1: Oh you good. Let's see if I can reach just barely. Okay, great. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um so next for me, I, I had a, a car accident in December of last year. Well 2018. Take six six weeks off from my rotations. Well, my first rotation. They're all six weeks at my program, so I had to take the first rotation off. And that was like, whoo, talk about stress. (laughs) That was definitely the most stressful thing that's happening me in PA school. Because you have insurance companies calling you. You have like hospitals calling you. And there's all these different bills that come up. Like a hell bill for fifty one thousand dollars. Woof. Yeah, it was a whole hot mess that I dealt with for eight months on top of being on rotations. Oh my like my first rotation, I had to walk out to talk to people on the phone related to my bills. And I was just like, This is too much. Mm-hmm. Um okay. so because of that, I have to make up that rotation after graduation. So we graduate in May, but I'll be in school till June twenty sixth. Um, And then I hope to get a job at a federally qualified health center and practice family medicine in Western Colorado. Um, And I hope to eventually get involved in teaching, um, starting with um, uh, LGBTQ plus health topics and then um, going from there to see what, uh, and leadership things, of course, trying to get people involved in that. So, yeah, that's what's next to me. Pray I get a job. You'll
0: get a job. <laughs> everyone gets a job. You'll get a job. Uh, well, where can everyone kind of find you and follow along and send you all their questions? <laughs>
1: um, so Instagram, it's at Cooper T couch, Um. You can email me at c couch at aapa.org If you have any questions about how to get involved in APA, um, Otherwise, I'm pretty good at checking my direct messages on Instagram. I only have like 2,000 followers, so people don't really message me. We'll we'll work
0: on that. We'll work on it. It's fine. It's not the
1: quality of the followers,
0: not the number. Right, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. And one thing I really want to encourage for 2020 is thanking our guests because they take time out of their day, usually pretty much always we're doing these podcast interviews at nighttime after everyone's been working at seven, eight, nine o'clock. So if you have any way possible, social media, email, whatever, please thank our guests. If you benefited from their story and let them know that, um, that it meant something to you. So thank you for listening and stay tuned next week. I'm talking to someone who, um, she is currently a PA student and she actually found out she was pregnant after getting accepted to PA school, ended up having to change her entire plan and now has an infant in her first year of PA school. So, um, great advice coming at you next week. And if you haven't left a review yet for the podcast, I would love to hear your thoughts. If there's anything we can do better, please just email me directly at savannah at the PAPlatform.com and I look forward to talking to you next week and interacting with you everywhere else. So, see you guys later.